Maps is built on top of an old forgotten creed of truth. Freedom, liberty, and grit. These three fellas, Sal, Adam, and Justin, have built Maps bodies right here in the good old US of A. They built these bodies to last and endure through the toughest of terrain, mud, rain, or snow. If your body is running on anything else, <laughs> well, Godspeed, and I'll see you in hell! Whoa, Maps America! Make sure you go check out all our awesome Maps programs at mindpopmedia.com. If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump, yeah. for the first 50 minutes, we do our introductory conversation. We start out by talking about having children later in life and a declining population in some countries. Uh-oh. Adam's making the case here. We talk about Mind Pump's newest sponsor. Super excited about this. It is a cannabis delivery company. It's available only in California. Sorry. You heard it first. We're the first. It's Ease. The the company name is Ease. E-A-Z-E. Now, you go online. You create your own account online. You have to provide your phone number. You have to have a valid government ID because you have to be 21 or older. You wait for an approval. It takes about five minutes. And then you browse local products from local dispensaries, and they literally deliver it to your door. Check this out. We are hooking you up. So if you go to ease.co, that's E-A-Z-E dot C-O forward slash mind pump, you can get $20 off your first order. Then we talk about our six-week challenge update. Uh, Justin might have lost. He might have done one thing. <laughs> Screwed him up. Yeah, really, right. It really was bad. one little tiny hiccup. Cheese yeah. got him, bro. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You knew the cheese would get him. You know what? I was just trying to give you guys a little like extended arm. Yeah. Like, yeah, hey, but, here's, but, here's a little flag for but you. But Four Sigmatics Activated Charcoal Lemonade came to the rescue. Now, we are sponsored by Four Sigmatic. If you go to Four Sigmatic, F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash mind pump and enter the code mind pump, you will get a discount. Then we talk about Adam's contest progress. He's kicking ass. You should see his his back. The love handles are disappearing. We talk about my second all-day workout update, California's proposed kids' beverage law, nanny state. Hmm. We talked about the muscle fiber study and the selective attention test. And then we get into the questions. The first question was, what is the most accurate way to measure your BMR? This is how many calories you burn on a regular basis. So we teach you that in this part of this episode. Yeah. Then we talk about creatine. The next question is, what do we think about creatine? Is it the greatest supplement of all time or is it crap? The next question was uh, directed more at Adam. Katrina, his girlfriend, who you may have heard of, is training for Spartan races. What does her training look like and how should someone train for obstacle course racing? And then finally, the last question, name the top three unattractive traits we find in women and why. People apparently want to know that. <laughs> also, I'd like to mention MAPS Performance, our athletic and functional training program, gets you lean and gets you moving like an athlete. 50% off all month long. Go to mindpumpmedia.com. Use the code GREEN50, G-R-E-E-N 50, all one word. Get 50% off. Again, that's at mindpumpmedia.com. You know, there's nothing more enjoyable than the sound of a child's laughter. Unless, of course, you don't have children, then it's 
creepy as fuck. Yeah. You don't want to hear that shit in your house. <laughs> like randomly in the middle of the night. Yeah, then it's really scary. <laughs> but if you have kids, it's nice. It's a nice. Uh, My best friend had his this weekend, man. That's what I was doing. Oh. Yeah. Both of them. Is wow. he the first one among your friends? So they have. No, no, no. no there's a the second one, right? Yeah, I, now I'm the last man standing, yeah. so I officially win. I can now have a kid. You, you uh, Was this the bet? Yeah, of course. You know who's going to not be you, winning? You didn't make When it. you're old and you have young kids and their kids are out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> so now that the, they're going to laugh at you. Yeah. The beauty that, yeah, see, I disagree with that. The beauty of that is that out of all of my friends, I'm by far the fittest and, oh, the, hel- and the healthiest. Oh, yeah, you're, you're so good. So even if they've got yeah. a three year, a five year, fuck, I'll take a 10, 18 year fucking head start on me. I'll still be in better shape. That's true. Your bones will be moving. That's what's good. You'll be a mobile 70 year old. That's what's for different. Sure. That's what's different today than, you know, 20, 30 plus years ago is. You know, our generation, the generation, and then even even the generation coming up now, they're just more health conscious. You know, so we're we're taking care of ourselves better. Yeah, we see. All, I know as an overgeneralization is the population is getting fatter and getting sicker, but yeah. there are it, people are more aware, and I definitely see. I mean, it's my neighborhood, dude. It is. They are more aware. In fact, studies show that uh, millennials and younger eat more vegetables than their parents do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's becoming. It's starting to happen. The yeah, trend's yeah. Starting yeah to happen. being healthy is becoming cool. Yeah, it's becoming. They're, they're growing up with better information available too. You know what it is? More than that, it's that plus it's, it's like smoking. We talked about this in a past episode recently. It's like smoking where you've had you had you you, you now can see several generations and you can see the effects of poor eating. Right. So now kids growing up are like, okay, we know what's going on here. We yeah. need to like we need to backpedal a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Uh, and yeah. it's and you're seeing now parents cuz I went so I have my kids coming up uh, this week. They're going to be with me for a week and I went to the store, the grocery store to get snacks for them for for school cuz they have, you know, they'll do recess and do they, they start today as well no they've already started, they already started last yeah week. they already started oh, okay. but i went when shopping for them so i'm in the kids section of snacks and it used to be pure shit like pure garbage all the way up and down the aisles oh, lunchables yeah like now g- gushers now and there's and it's still mostly gummies yeah exactly now it's still mostly that but now you see like one fourth of the aisle is yeah Maybe not super healthy, but you could tell they're trying to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like organic and you know lower in sugar, and then you look at the back and like, okay, you guys are ish. Yeah, you guys are you guys are <laughs> doing better. You know, things are doing a little bit better. So right, no, we'll I think so. so. So I think it's become it's become what well, it is. You know, all the stats are pointing this direction too that people are having kids later and later and later. Like, I mean, just our parents' generation, yeah. they were it was normal to have a kid like at twenty years old, mm-hmm. where. It's becoming more normal to have a kid in your 30s and beyond, you know. So. You know what's funny? Dude. What's funny too is for a while there, especially in the 60s and 70s, there was this huge scare that the pop that the world population would get so big that we would run out of resources and we wouldn't be able to feed ourselves. I think there was a book called The Population Bomb that was written back then that was like it caused all this all this like freak out like oh my god. But what ends up happening What's ended up happening, this is why you always got to be skeptical when you have experts come out and warn everybody about what's going on. We've gotten better at producing food. We've gotten way better at distributing food. So now we have more food than we did before, even though there's more people. And you know what happens to societies as they become more modern and wealthy? They have less kids. Hmm. So the world's population is going to peak and then flatten out and then start to drop a little bit. Because like you'll see this, like in, like America is one of the only like I guess advanced nations that is actually producing more that the population is actually growing at a, at a, at a rate that would sustain it. A lot of European countries are not like I know in Italy, they actually are paying people to have kids. 
Wow. The, they're not having Japan is that's, negative population. That's so weird to me, like that, that how that math works out. Like how how does how do they figure that out? Just because you've slowed down at that rate and now also now that like it's not gonna the whole country's not gonna die off. The government will. So if you have the, what do you mean the government will? So I'll explain why. So if you have uh government provided services what you're basically looking oh, at. Oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So the, the, it's a Ponzi scheme. That's that's the concern. It's, it has nothing to do with like the race is going <laughs> to die. You're fucking my paycheck. Yeah, it's like it's not like all of a sudden Italians are all going to fall yeah. off the face of the earth and we won't have any more in about fucking. No, it's that they're going to have to refigure shit out because uh, let's say you have a huge population. Let's say the population no, I get of old people. It's just like, it's bigger it's, than the it's population. It's like the issue that we had with Social Security, right? I mean, it's uh, it's we, a, we we had more old sick people than enough people that were putting into the pot. It's, so that's it's, what will happen. It's, it's you know what a Ponzi scheme is, right? A Ponzi scheme is when you know people collect money, and then they'll guarantee you a return, but they're paying you based on the money they're re- they're getting from more from other people, and so it requires exponential growth. Well, if you have like systems that we're paying into, you need more people paying in than taking out, and when the population shrinks or more people are retiring than are working or whatever, there's a there's an actual number and ratio you can figure out. Then you start to get fucked. <laughs> then you're screwed. <laughs> so it's like Japan. I think, I think in a relatively short period of time, their average po- the the average age of the population is like over forty or fifty. I mean, it's like, oh, wow. yeah, it's going to be old, and they're going to have to figure out like how do we take care so of all what's these old China people? like up to these? Because I know for a while there weren't they like limiting the amount of boys uh, that were that were in the population. Oh yeah, now they're 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 starting to reverse on that policy because right? yeah because how do you, you, how do you limit just boys? I, not boys. They limited to one birth. Well, one birth. Yeah. Okay. But but the preference. Yeah, that would be the stupid. preference was having a boy, and so that was like a big issue. There. Unintended consequence yeah. of, of that policy it was uh, was you know hey only one child so then you know Chinese parents were selectively having a boy or if they had a girl they'd abort it or whatever yeah so now now you have a, a bit of a problem but they're they're trying to change it because they see the same thing that they need to keep growing their population so it is interesting but yeah as we get wealthier and more successful people have kids later and they have they have less kids I don't think that's I don't think that's a bad thing I really don't mm. I think it might be it's probably a better thing right. Mm. Dude. Anyway, speaking of unintended consequences, first off, uh, I want to be—I want to tell everybody how excited I am with our newest uh, oh, sponsor. Dude, you're excited. Oh, man. So the, if excited. If you're an OG, okay, you remember. Hopefully, you remember these these episodes. Where do you remember when we talked? It's like episode thirty or something. It was early on, way before we ever even had a sponsor. We talked about like, dude, we're never going to get any sponsors. No one's going to touch us with a ten foot pole. <laughs> and I made the Except comment, like Trojan. That's or what I said. Like I that, made right? the comment about like Jack Daniels, Trojan, and like marijuana companies. Like we're going to be the. And then we started talking about marijuana and saying like we're going to be the first podcast that's sponsored by like a marijuana company. How cool is that? Yeah. I don't be? think anybody in the fitness industry. Is no, 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 definitely not. Nobody in the industry. Is, we're, There's no podcast we are, at all. We are the first ones to do to. to for them to do this. So we are ha! the first podcast they have partnered with. So we're partnering. This has been a year in the making, by the way. Oh, oh, we've we've been talking and working on on this, but and also thinking about how we could do this because it's a it's a growing industry. We're all big proponents of the responsible use of cannabis. We know the 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 medicinal benefits, the potential health benefits for a lot of people. We all obviously are fans of, of cannabis. And um Ease is a company that is exploding in California, and what they do basically is, I mean, I don't know if I can say this, but I I, I consider them almost like the Uber for 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 cannabis. Sure, sure. Mm. Because what you do is you you order from them, 
they go to local dispensaries, they get what you have ordered, and then they deliver it to you, your business, your home, your work. And the deliveries, I've used it now four or five times, usually between 15 to 30 minutes. Oh, it's fast. Yeah, usually. It's so fast. Usually. Yeah. Now, here's what's here's what's cool about Ease. So we talk all the time about how you know, the government will create regulations and uh, and technology is just advancing faster than they can try to regulate. And so what's happened in California, because we were the first state to legalize medicinal marijuana. We were the first ones to do it. We weren't the first to legalize recreational, but we were the first to legalize medicinal. Then we went and re- we, we legalized it recreationally recently, but what California lawmakers have done, which I really can't stand because this is just, they do this behind closed doors, is they've applied so many regulations on the dispensaries that a majority of them had had to shut their doors. And they're saying like, you can only have a, a facility in this type of an area. You have to grow your own cannabis. You have to produce your own whatever. Essentially killing a majority of these dispensaries and making it difficult for people to find them and have access. So what does the market do? It produces a company like Ease where that's fine. There's a few dispensaries are hard to get to. A lot of your favorite yeah. dispensaries are gone because these we'll regulations do all the are crazy. Work. We'll do the legwork. Yeah. We'll pick this up for you. Brilliant. Bring it to your house. As a result, now Ease is abs- is exploding. Oh, and yeah. yeah, they're 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 doing really really well. And they have been. They were on our radar literally over a year ago, and we were going back and forth. And it's hard with podcasting because one, there's just not a lot of analytics. So when we when we reach out to companies to to work with them, like specific ones that we want to work with. You know, some of them that have never advertised on podcasts, they may be spending, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on billboards and magazines and old old school ways of advertising. And just some companies are afraid to to dip into the water of mm-hmm. messing with podcasting. And so we had a lot of that going back and forth. And I know Taylor worked his ass off to make this happen for everybody. And I'm really excited. And we got it's a fucking great deal for everybody. So it's a win all the way around. I'm, I'm excited to be sponsored by them. It's a great way that we can give back to our listeners like that are already use, utilizing cannabis. So I'm pumped, dude. It's my by far my favorite sponsor. <laughs> oh, dude. I saw your eyes get super oh, excited dude. once this one landed. Dude, I'm, I'm so excited about it. And I do think that this is the future of cannabis, how people, how a lot of people are going to get their cannabis uh, in in the country, I really really do yeah. because it's discreet, man. It's, it's discreet. It's nice. Yeah. There's still a little bit of that stigma. Yeah, you know what I mean. Is. Even and just going into the dispensary, it's still kind of like yeah, that 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 bit of uh, you know, it, it still exists. Exactly, and I think you know because there's a long culture of it being um, illegal, and so I think a lot of adults and a lot of people would much prefer to go online, order it discreetly. Pops up at your door. They show up. You show them your ID. You get the whole thing, whatever, yeah. and you're set. Well, so. especially for trying it out, you know, like it, it, as far as like somebody who, especially like my wife or somebody like that, where, where it's just like always had that stigma, but like you know, well, maybe I want to try and see if it's something that I can like just you know in the comfort of my home and, and give it a shot and like you know, th- it's way less judgment that way. Yeah, I couldn't believe how easy it was because when we first heard about him a year ago, I ordered it while we were here at mm-hmm. work. And in 15 minutes, the dude showed up at the front, came in, and you know you do the whole check my ID, whole type of thing, 
And it was like, this is silly. This is great. No, yeah. no. Yeah, it's fucking excellent. No, no I'm super excited. <laughs> so how was your guys' uh, weekend? I know Justin completely Dude. ruined the contest. No. Himself, so, yeah. oh, I did. <laughs> it's not okay. What do you do? No, I Bro. did. I had a hiccup. Bro. Okay, and I'm going to be very honest. Hold on. Oh, hold on. Before you go, whoa, I got to tell Adam. Uh, how, could, how did I not hear I about gotta this? I got to tell Adam what happened. Please. So he comes in the studio. <laughs> We're going to record. This I wanna, morning or what? Right now. I got to oh. tell you from my perspective. And Adam's like, and Justin's like, oh man, he's like, I gotta go take a real quick shit. And I'm like, <laughs> like, are you okay? Is your stomach? He's like, no, man. He's like, I gotta do a real quick one. He's like, I was messing around with my diet a little bit. And I'm like, oh, I said, you gotta be careful. You gotta be careful when you reintroduce carbs because your body's super sensitive. So I'm thinking this dude's adding a little bit of rice and you know what I mean? And his body's a little sensitive. And that's not what he did. Yeah. Well, that's what I was doing. Okay. So what do you do? Here, I, I drank all day yesterday. <laughs> I was like, I had a pound of tri-tip and then like it came to dinner and um, and the kids were just, I guess this was all decided before I got home and I met up with Courtney and the kids and they were like, um, you know, we, we were kind of, because today was when their, their first day of school. So they were like, they got to choose where we went to dinner. And oh, so, cool. dude, it was like, I got, I had no options. We went to this, this um, pizza place. <laughs> I was like, I'm so fucked. Oh, uh, pizza got you? Yeah, bro. Bro, what are you thinking? I bro, I had two pieces. Diet for like four weeks. I had two pieces pizza? of like uh, uh, the gluten-free. Like, oh, that's going to save you. Yeah, like that. That, that was going to help. Oh, my God, oh, bro. It, it tore me up. Did it really? Yeah. Of course it did. Yeah. Pizza pizza tears us up if we're just on a normal balanced yeah. diet. Dude, eating carnivore diet for fucking four bro, weeks. I'm laughing yeah, so hard because I'm, tore me up. I'm picturing just... Justin, at yeah. that moment, and he's just like you can feel him like sweating, like I was like, Fuck it. Oh, I was pissed, but it was like I was like, nah. Uh, like, he's I loving can, it while it's going down. I can handle. Not really, dude. I knew it was gonna happen. Oh, was it really? immediate? Yeah, yeah. It was like almost. And so, anyways, like we had some of that stuff at, at the uh, at at the uh, studio, the the Force of Mag, the the, the lemonade. With oh, the with the charcoal activated charcoal. Thank God. In it. Yeah. <laughs> so you just like start to eat so the whole. Start taking some of that. Trying to salvage it. <laughs> Did it help you a little bit? I mean, I think it helped me a little bit, good, but good. then the next day, like. I think after processing it and everything, like I, <laughs> shout still, out to our sponsor saving so us after pizza. I'm still rumbling and and I took a shit, but it, but it's not like violent. So I I think it would have been a lot worse if I had not done it. So here's my fear with uh, people who go on a carnivore diet is, is this because I've been thinking it's exactly that. I've been thinking no. Well, well, I'll tell you what my uh, my real fear is because I know that too, right? If you go super restrictive, it's yet people have a tendency and it's very difficult. I don't care who you are. It's very difficult to prevent yourself from doing that where you jump in you know, full bore because you've been so restricted. Yeah. But here's my real fear. My real fear is that you've avoided – people avoid all these foods for so long that intolerances actually get worse. Yeah. And then when you go reintroduce them, if you do it all at once – Something that gave you a normal. Oh, that's a hundred percent for well, sure. Yeah. I believe a hundred percent. And that, and you know why I fear that? I'll tell you why. I've, I've experienced that multiple times with anything that you like kind of bothered me before. Once I re, like oh, yeah. eliminated it for a long period it of time, intensifies and, the hell. Oh, dude, and then you reintroduce it. It's well, like, that's the thing because I was ramping up my uh, rice intake, and so I was like building my carbs back. So I was like, well, maybe I'll be okay, even though it was like a totally different, you know, experience. Uh, I thought, you know, maybe this this will be able to process, you know, reasonably, but no, nah, you know, so it's... Damn, dude. Yeah, well, because what happens is, and you know why I'm saying this, is all when back. you look at food intolerances, when you look at food intolerances, it's a, it is an immune response. That's what, that's what happens to your body. You get an immune response. Now, it's not a full 
allergy like anaphylactic shock right. but it's similar right you'll get inflammation you'll get a, a elevated cortisol response you're, you're you might get gut issues you might get skin issues or whatever you're going to get this immune response well when you look at the science right now that's coming out and i know this because i have a, a nephew that has severe like poor kid right severe food allergies he's allergic to like five different foods severely to the point where if he just gets cross-contamination the kid has to walk around with an epipen that's how bad it is damn the research that they're doing, that they're, they're coming out with now, is different than when he was young, when he was born. And what they're saying now is, what they're showing is that small, small, small amounts of exposure prevent these, in many kids, these severe reactions. There was a study that was done out of Israel, because they found that in Israel, I think it's Israel, I hope I'm getting the right country, but the, the peanut allergies there are far lower than any other developed nation. They couldn't figure it out. And then they looked and saw... Oh, there's this popular, like uh, peanut rice bar that parents give their babies as they grow up. Maybe that's what's going on. And then I remember all the clients that I've trained who would eat really clean and then all of a sudden have a bad yeah, food and have yeah. a crazy reaction. And I know myself how that happens. And so I think it's, it's like a foreign invader if you keep it out. Of it's your diet so. Too long. And now here's why you want to avoid food intolerances. You want to give your your body, a, a, your gut, time to heal. So if you have a bad gut, I'm not saying. Don't avoid these foods. Avoid them. Let your gut heal. Then if you're going to introduce them, introduce <clears throat> tiny, tiny amounts so I need slowly to work over time. my pizza in. Completely. You know, over like, over like a slowly. long- Yeah, dude. So, <laughs> I'm, dude, I'm not <laughs> joking. After <laughs> this is over- like, How many slices did you do, bro? I did two, dude. That's it? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, because I- Yeah. Bro, like I still have competition mind and all that. I was trying to be like non asshole <laughs> dad, like yeah, pizza. I didn't want to be like, I can't, you know what I mean? Like I, I still have to like do life. Damn, dude, that's a hard one too because like, so you I mean going to get like a burger or something like that? That would have been, been way easier. Oh, right? way better. Honest, oh. way better. I mean, going for pizza. Right? I mean, all that cheese that fucking. Bro, that's bread. I got outvoted, man. I was just wow. like, really like like throwing every other option, like Mexican, anything else i would have been okay dude i thought you saw my insta story and just threw in the towel i figured that's what your it was. insta story yeah, yeah i thought that's what it bro was. you look I, good uh, that's a great uh, great transformation your your love handles are gone now yeah the the waist that's great man it, you know it's funny is because and your weight's the same that's you've gained some I, serious muscle i woke up this this morning uh 216 so oh I, now you're down a little bit no up that's up more what were you at 215.4 oh fuck you're putting on muscle bro that's really good yeah so i know i'm putting on i know i'm putting it's gonna on be more. hard to judge this you know what i mean yeah. fat loss muscle gain at the end of it yeah because i i don't think i'm gonna i don't think my body fat percentage is gonna go as low as i would i mean obviously i would love for it to go all the way down but i've been very careful of not to cut hard like, I, I, haven't done, I haven't done any cardio i'm not doing anything. i would be surprised dude if your body weight has gone up and the difference in your love handles is what those pictures show I wouldn't be surprised if you lost a shit ton of fat. Yeah. I mean, you know, some of it too is is this I'm okay, I'm in the week of cutting right now, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I came out the gates feeding the body. Just like I tell everybody on the show, exactly how I handle a client is I give myself more food, more calories at the beginning. So part of the the love handles, I think, too, is I was probably holding more water. I mean, this is this is what everybody does, right? I mean, this is how you we, I can create the illusion of really changing my body significantly just by manipulating water and shit like that. Like that's I for sure was probably totally waterlogged 
and like tons of I've got tons of carbs, tons of calories in me in those first like two weeks, and then now you're starting to see me pull that out. So, and I'm I think I'm really flat. Like I can I can feel like my workouts are kind of weak right now. I'm not excited, and I'm trying to mentally get through it. And this week I'll refeed. I don't know how many days yet. Um, I haven't I haven't ran more than about a week or so of three thousand plus calories. I've been hovering around like twenty five right now. And that's that. It's been keeping me pretty, pretty much the same weight. Mm-hmm. But it, I'm, I know I'm getting a nice exchange because I, I can see. Well, that, that picture was dramatic. That looks really good, man. It's coming. Yeah, dude. that's really, really Rad. good. It's, it's yeah, coming. That's excellent. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. You know, I've been, I've been dialed though. I mean, I have not. Uh, I haven't had a single hiccup. Everything that I've consumed was planned. Everything that now, I now let me ask you this because uh, what really gets me excited I can see your health has improved tremendously that's what gets me the most excited it's nice that you look better and whatever all that stuff but your health you look a lot different and your energy is a lot different that's that's the that's a that's the biggest thing that gets me excited. well it's a great what other changes have you noticed besides your body well you know it, we I just tr- touched on this a little bit um, what two episodes or a few episodes ago where you know I sent that text message to Katrina and. You know, there's there's no doubt like, you know, and this is funny, right? So we're we're talking about her brother. I love uh, her brother-in-law right now. Is he's a, like he's a maniac. He works like we can work and he'll he'll he has a job where the more hours he works, he keeps getting paid more overtime and stuff like that. So this dude will grind like 16-hour days and mm. shit. And he's right in the middle of training for Spartan with Katrina and he's just not obviously finding the motivation to to get out there and train like he needs to to be ready for this. This is the big one. They're doing the beast. That's a fucking like a seven hour yeah. thing, oh, right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, and, and he just happens to be grinding at work at the same time right now. And so Katrina's like trying to, she's like getting on him, like trying to motivate him to, to get out there and do something. And she's like, I don't, you know, I wish you would talk to him. I said, listen, you can't, you can't tell him. I said, how long did you live with me before you started to piece together and stop? connecting exercise with just fat loss and muscle gain and make the connection to all the other parts of your life that it really enhances and improves. Yeah. And one of those being productivity and work. I don't know how many fucking times I've heard a client sit across from me and tell me that they don't have a lot of time or if or any time to work out. There's just no time for it. I, I do this. It's I have, a number one yeah, objection. Right. I have kids. I've got two jobs. I've got this. I've got that. I just, I'm working 16 hour day, whatever, right? And it never fails that when you start to make the time, when you start to make that time to exercise, whether it be you know 45 minutes to an hour, two to four times a week, it's amazing how much it bleeds into every other aspect of your life. My relationship and communication, my stress, my, my attitude, my, my energy levels, my productivity at work. So if I were to look back at you know times where I've been off the wagon and not training, and grinding because I've done this many times. Whenever I've started a business up, where I go full in, sacrifice yourself. Yeah, I sa- exactly. I just fuck working out. That doesn't matter. All I'm going to do is bury myself into this business and do that. You know, and, and it starts to compile after a while, and then you start to put on some weight. And you're like, oh fuck, I need to get to the gym. But then you're like, shit, I'm working seven days a week right now, twelve hours. There's no time for it. All I want to do as soon as I come home is lay on the couch. I'm exhausted mm-hmm. from all day. But then when you actually discipline yourself to implement it in there you start to realize that when you when you get home you're you don't feel that way when you get home you're not just so drained and exhausted because you've trained and you've started to exercise more productive always oh yeah and then you start to get more out of your work and then you come home and you get more out of your house like 
So that's, I mean, for me... Yeah, because your energy is very, uh, very different. Your health has improved tremendously. Your skin looks different. You're much sharper, uh, obviously less moody and all that other stuff. And I mean, <laughs> all joking aside, I'm not saying you're, you know, you're, you're, I'm just saying, especially considering what you went through, you did very well, very, very well. So I commend you on that. But you can see a drastic difference in your health. Well, and that's the part that, well, that really makes me and I know feel you, good and, and happy. I, and I agree with you and you and you push that side a lot, which I think it's important our audience hears that. But I also like to share the other side that's important too, that you know, people, listen, when when, when I look good and I, I feel better about myself. Of course. Like when I, when I, when I carry myself where. Yeah, you're podcasting naked right now. You didn't do that last, you know, right, couple months ago. Right, right, yeah. You know, so. Just an appreciate So uh, it, it's a, it's a comp. Always spread eagle, right? And my eyesight. <laughs> it's a compound, it's a compounding effect, right? So if you, all these things that we're talking about, yeah, the health goes up, the energy goes up, the productivity goes up. Oh, by the way, you get stronger. Oh, you're sleeping better. Oh, sex drive is up. I mean, there's so many things. That it's a positive feedback loop. Oh, hundred percent positive and, feedback loop. And we, we've been taught for so long to get caught up in the scale. Which the, the, part of why I like doing these challenges, and this is how I started my Instagram, was I did the exact same thing. Only I came from a little bit further away. Was I wanted to show people like watch my weight stay the same, and I completely change my body composition. It does not. Great example. The, the scale does not fucking matter, and and that's I'm looking at all those other markers more than I'm looking at yeah. the scale. That's a great example, especially for female clients who who get sometimes get so obsessed with the scale, yeah, that they don't realize how different they can look sometimes just by changing their body composition <laughs> and their weight staying the same. Right. You know, I love when clients would see that. It really. It's very, very, very powerful. What I'm most excited See, about. my example is to show people you can go off a little and it's not going to affect shit. <laughs> yeah. See, Justin, Watch me now. Justin's upset because you're getting all the accolades. Yeah. Right <laughs> hey, Adam, you're so good. You're First so four great, weeks, it was all about yeah. Justin. How great Justin looked like. And then yeah, also I had to drop it last night. Just, uh, uh, everybody DMing not even me like crazy. Me. Yeah. So I, just, I, I said I figured the final week I'd just demoralize everybody. <laughs> hey, hey, I just I had, I, I just did the full day workout again and I'm telling you guys right now, I am fucking on to something. Oh, yeah. I am on to something. This, this, so I did this now. This is two weeks after the last one. So it's been two, in between, two weeks. Don't I'm speak, also, hey, don't speak too soon. What happens when you body fat? You got fatter, dude. Well, I don't. Hey, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm pretty confident. He's I'm, like, I'm on to something. Oh, Fuck, man. I went 17. Well, well, I'm basing it off. I'm basing it off performance. I know what I look like. I think my body's. I'm definitely getting. Leaner. Yeah, but isn't it kind of obvious? I mean, if you're basing it off performance, it's kind of obvious that you're going to see an improvement on that. I mean, the amount of volume that you're adding every week. Right but it's now is different. It's different. If I added that volume, any because here's the thing when, with workouts, if you're training properly and hard and if you know what you're doing like i've been doing this for a very long time and, and i've been right now training is one of my priorities because we're we're doing this contest so i'm constantly pushing the most i could do right i'm always i'm constantly dancing on the line between the best the the, the most stimulation i can send and not doing too much to where i compromise my body's ability to recover mm -hmm. so i'm i'm tapped out with volume i know how much more i can do and how much you know less i can do and i can't I would not be able to add this volume any other way, which is what's tripping me out. I did it all in one day. It was all spread out. Two weeks later, same perceived effort, 20 pounds uh, added to my squat, 20 pounds added to my bench press, 40 pounds added to my row, same perceived effort, everything else was the same. That's a big-ass yeah. difference. That's a tremendous difference. And like last time, the day after and the day after, 
I start to actually notice like, oh shit, I'm building more muscle. Like this morning I worked out and I went easy, but I, the great, the weights I grabbed, I was going to thought they would feel harder than they did. And I'm like, am I stronger already? Yeah. It is really trippy. And I'm getting a lot of messages from people who are, who are kind of copying it and I don't have it structured. So I'm still experimenting and I'm trying to put together what it means, but I'm getting people messaging me who are saying the same thing. I had a dude message me this morning who said he he applied it, wanted to increase his overhead press because he was stuck at the same weight forever. He added 10 pounds mm-hmm. to his PR uh, from doing that one time. Wow. Yeah, it's it's pretty insane. And then the productivity aspect of it, you know, movement really does stimulate creativity and it stimulates, uh, it, it gets, we know exercise increases compounds that, you know, improve neural connections and basically bathe your brain in in beneficial things. We know that movement also stimulates uh, parts of your brain and helps them communicate to each other. So if, this is why writers, when they have writer's block, what's one of the things that they te- typically recommend? Go for walk a walk around. outside yeah. or go for a or jog or whatever. Cigarettes. That's why sometimes some of your best thoughts are during activity or a workout. And so again, this weekend, I put together some more guides and it's like, it's there, and I can do this. I can sit down sometimes and get really, you know, into it. But man, it's like a whole nother. It's like a. This is like another hack. I, I, I well, love I can't. It. I can't wait till we all do it because I'm not quite drinking the Kool Aid yet. But when we all do it together, that's I think good. You got to be all- skeptical because I want you to be when you do it, so you could give your honest like opinion. And it, I, I never sell. You're always skeptical, but that's okay. Because then you can experience somebody it has give to your, be here. You exactly. Know what I'm saying? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. I'm. I'm excited though to do it. I mean, I'm. It, when I, I'm skeptical with you, but I'm also very intrigued. Like if I just thought it was bullshit and stupid, I wouldn't even do it with yeah, you. Yeah, but yeah. the fact that it makes there's a lot of things that make a lot of sense of why this would be a cool thing to do. I mean, really, the the hardest thing is just you know somebody to take the dedication and time to oh, say, yeah. "Hey, I'm going to dedicate." It's it definitely in. a pain. In the ass. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that's I mean that's it's, full, it's full time. <laughs> it's, I did it all day. I could see why it hasn't been sold as some you know you know, diet or training program and that tons of people are jumping on it because it's just, it's probably not realistic for the average person to do it, but hey. Not super convenient. Right. It's not a convenient thing at all, but fuck convenience. I'm very interested in the potential benefits of building muscle and strength in that shorter period of time and, and also not overtaxing the body so much because yeah, you're right. I know I can do a workout that just destroys me. But then you're fucking hindered for the next three or four That's days. That's the thing. What's weird about it is because oh, here's the other thing I did. So I was calculating everything out, and I'm getting closer and co- closer, really figuring out what the ideal, how the ideal way to apply this is. But I figured it out, right? I'm doing. It takes me roughly 25 to 30 minutes to do each of the workouts, right? So I'm doing five of them. So it's about two and a half hours of working out. So two and a half hours. 15 sets of, uh, or no, three sets times, yeah, 15 sets of squats, 15 sets of bench press, and 15 sets of deadlift total, right? It's for the whole day. Now, would I be able to do those, or or if I was to do all that same weight, all that same sets, and try and fit it in a two and a half hour workout, I don't know if I would have, and I know how I would have felt had I done that. If I had done that in a two and a half hour, just boom, one block, I would have been trashed. I would have been completely destroyed and that would have felt like absolute garbage. Instead, the day after, I felt okay. I felt good. I can tell I worked out, but I don't don't feel like I did that much work. Today, I was able to work out again and I'm a little sore, but it doesn't equate to how that would feel if I were to do it in a single two hour, two and a half hours. Yeah, no way. Yeah, yeah. So it's, 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 uh, it's pretty interesting. Anyway, I got an article I want to share with you guys. 
see what you guys' opinion is. It's funny that we we just did an episode and we talked about obesity and, and how to lose fat and we talked about kids and how overweight they're oh, getting. Oh, are you talking about the yeah. one on the forum with the uh, that did you see that was the person uh God, what um No, Mike? I didn't I did see that. This is different, but yeah. Oh, 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 yeah, I thought that's what you were going to bring up the God, what Michael was it Michael? Well, he he posted a picture of uh his niece and what yes. his dad what the his, his For 60 cents they could get that that donut it's the size of a plate. Bro, it's huge. And that was her breakfast. 60 cents and it's like this donut like this big. Yeah. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, yeah. Fucking huge, Yeah, dude. and that little kid was going to eat the whole thing. Oh. Yeah, and he was cuz cuz in that episode we talked about I wonder if it's going to be at some point considered child oh, abuse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think there should ever be any any No, I don't think any laws or whatever. Of course not. I don't but think. But they're coming because uh especially if we if we start to push towards covering everybody's health care then the, then it'll they'll make a very good case for well, regulating I, t- what I we tell eat. you what a, a lot of the regulation the things that we've put in place that I think are bullshit I don't think it's one of the worst mm. because if they're you know I, I I'm with you on you know government should definitely not get involved in anything that I'm doing to my own body if I choose sure. to put drugs into it if I just choose to do anything to myself I don't think government should get involved but and I I don't think government should get involved in anything, but if I if they were going to, I could see justifying uh, parents that are because in a sense the kid doesn't know better. Kid's three yeah. years old, and if you're shoveling ice cream and candy and things down the kid's throat, they don't know. And shoveling, I shouldn't say because what a parent does. I was talking about Katrina and I are having having this discussion when we were hi- hiking this weekend, and you know about ha- parenting kids and. You know, you start, you see how it starts, you know, it starts yeah. with, you know, that you go over and you have your toddler sees grandma or whatever like that. And the whole family just can't wait to see what little, you know, Joanna's face does when they put a scoop of ice cream in her mouth, yeah. you know, like, oh, watch this. You know, she loves this, yeah. you know, and they put it, it's like, yeah, no fucking shit. She loves that because up until that point, she's only had raw natural foods. And now you just gave her a bomb in her mouth yeah. of all those flavors, like a thousand like times sprinkling more. drugs in their mouth. Watch, it, watch little Johnny. <laughs> Yeah, I was getting high. Eyes light up. When you think about probably what happens inside the brain, okay, it's very similar. Yes, when you talk about what happens inside the brain and the and their taste buds on their tongue for the first time, probably tasting ice cream candy or any of these types of overpowered sweets that aren't natural that we, you you didn't find in nature like mm-hmm. that that you've they've taken and the brain models itself off of this stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you give them that, I mean, I would it, I would love to see. You know, someone like us put, take some drugs and then do all the tests to see what goes on in our brain and happens and what happens to a kids at that age when the first time you introduce. They've already ice- done it. They've already shown it looks very similar on imaging. We don't we're not, we don't know enough about the brain to see specific, but we can see that the imaging looks almost identical to what happens when you eat like a super highly palatable processed. And I know I'm and- taking I know I'm taking an extreme analogy by comparing it to coke, and I know there's somebody that's rolling their eyes and be oh god I can't believe you're comparing cocaine to sugar or like that, yeah. but hey. It's fucking killing more people every year. Oh, for sure. It's not killing, even close. It's killing way more people every year. So yeah. why the fuck can't yeah. I? Why? Because somebody decided to demonize all that stuff a long time ago, and so we think drugs are so bad, but sugar is okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I just yeah. It's- but so so you know, and and here's the thing with that. Like I I I can see what you're saying. Where if they were to do anything, that might be a better thing. Here's why I, I and I know you're not saying that you advocate for it. Here's why I would completely fight against it. We know what the government health you know, recommendations were for the last 30 or 40 years. Were they, were they at all accurate? 100% wrong. (laughs) You know? So next thing you know, they're going to be like, here, eat this. It's good for your kids. It's sugar-free, you know, you know, milk 
or it's this These yeah new formula with their lobbies or whatever. So here's what they're doing in California. You know, good old California nanny state of the country. They are there's a there's a bill right now that it's gonna cro- it's gonna go across the governor's desk and he's expected to sign it. So it's not in law yet, but I'm pretty sure he's gonna sign it. They're gonna make it illegal for restaurants to make anything other than milk or water be the default drink when they serve kids uh, meals. So uh, let me to clarify. When you when you buy a kid's meal at a restaurant, the kid's meal usually comes with, okay, what would you like to drink for that? Right. They're gonna the law is gonna say that the restaurant default drinks have to be milk or water. Wow. Now that doesn't make it illegal for the parent to order a separate soda for their kid, but the restaurant cannot put that as part of the kid meal. Well the dairy lobbyists will like this. Law. They love that, of yeah. course. And I'm <laughs> sure chocolate milk is on there. Yeah. So you're gonna go to McDonald's, you get the kid's meal, and now the kid's meal options are only you know, milk or water, or you go to restaurants only. And is I, and is, it's, is it's, milk that much better? Well, they're going to make some arguments for it. I I don't think the kind of milk that we serve is that's typically what, that. Uh, that's what I'm saying. It's, I yeah. mean, it's maybe what, maybe five to 10 grams lower on sugar. You get a little bit of protein in there. Yeah. Well, I'd especially, say, like you said, chocolate milk. I guarantee that's going to be uh, yeah. one of those little squeezes. But I don't like that. I don't like that they're doing that. Kind of, plus, you know, really, you're going to make restaurants do that? Is that going to make a big deal? Because it's how the parents eat. That's how. That's yeah. what affects the kid. I mean, and they're going to eat regardless of whatever, like, you're going to put in. Like, well, we're going to order this anyway. Like, the they can't like say no, yeah, right? Yeah. Or like get out of here. It's like they're gonna order like whatever juice or soda or whatever they want, anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's hilarious that yeah. they're doing that. It's gonna get worse though if we start to if we start to move towards policies where we're providing health care for people, like a, like maybe a single payer or something like that, which a lot of people are pushing for. When that starts to happen, it's not a it's not a big step to go from there to Okay, now that we're all paying taxes to give everybody health care, well, now we need to dictate what people can in, eat. With in the panic. UK, didn't they do something similar where they regulated uh, the consumption of sugar? And, and um, I know, like, as far as like GMO laws and things like that, like, that's that's been something that's been brought up multiple times. But I remember, like, I thought they rolled something out as far as like some kind of extra tax or something on on sugar. I'm not sure. I know some states have in the US have, have done like sugar taxes and stuff like that. Yeah. But I, you know, and, and there's a lot of unintended consequences of doing that. I think you should just educate people and let them make their own, you know, kind of choices and and you know, I you know, I'm not super opposed to to sometimes government education on certain things, although a lot of times that goes wrong too, but yeah, I don't like that, man. I don't like them telling us what we can and, and, and can't eat. That's kind of crazy. It's c- it's kind of like the toothpaste, though, thing that you always talk about. Like, is it too late? You know what I'm saying? Are we already going one direction? I'm trying to think of all the scenarios and how uh, companies are going to get around that. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to think of what they can do uh, to get around that. And maybe maybe they'll say, oh, can we serve them soda if it's sugar-free? Mm-hmm. Maybe that maybe they'll get that passed. Because remember, the, the soda companies are very strong, oh, yeah. and they have a lot of money too. So I could foresee that, you know, being something we're like, okay, well maybe then we'll do a, a you know just sugar free soda for kids. Which now they're now they're consuming those artificial sweeteners and all that <laughs> stuff. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Another interesting article that I want to share with you guys they 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 did this huge study on twins recently, and it's the whole nature versus nurture debate, right? Like. How much of your health and fitness and all that stuff is dictated by your genes and how much of it is dictated by your lifestyle? And these studies are difficult to do on uh, groups of people because 
there's so many factors that can get factored into that. And, and the only people you can really study where you can control for genetics is twins because twins have identical genes. So those are considered like the, the gold standard of these kinds of studies. Like if you want to see how something affects a person, the best thing you could possibly do is get a group of twins, have half of them not do it and have half of them do it. And then you see like what the real kind of effects you know, are. The, the most ideal way to do that is to have the twins like in totally different locations and different environments. Right? Yeah, so or have them live in a laboratory yeah. where you control everything. Or that, yeah. So what they did is they found, they did this one study where they took these two twins. One was, and this is relatively rare because many times twins are, are similar in their activities as well. But this one, they took these two twins, 52-year-old twins. One of them was like a fitness fanatic. And the other one was the opposite, like total sedentary, total like didn't eat right and all that stuff. Yeah. Now they were the un the guy who didn't exercise and all that was 20, 22 pounds heavier in body fat. Obviously, heart rate was different, blood sugar was different, cholesterol was different. So a lot of the effects you would expect from lack of activity. But here's the exciting thing: they they did muscle biopsies on them. Now for a long time, it's been debated that you're born with your muscle fiber type. So like, okay, you know, you're born with a lot of fast twitch muscle fibers or you're born with a lot of slow twitch muscle fibers. And that helps dictate if you're going to do well in explosive type sports or if you're going to do well in, in, in endurance type sports. Well, the active twin was a triathlete and endurance athlete. So everything, pretty much every activity he did was revolving around endurance. And when they analyzed the two muscle biopsies, they found that the guy who, the, the twin that was the active one in endurance type activities was made up of 94% slow twitch muscle fibers. The other twin was 40% slow twitch muscle fibers. Wow. Huge difference. That's massive, yeah. So this shows that you can change how your muscle fibers start to express themselves quite a bit through training well now i i think we see this a lot uh, anecdotally speaking right when you see like like ben pakolsky dude i like i look at that guy and i go dude he's trying to like lose muscle and he he's having a hard time because of so many years of weight training and probably how much like guarantee that wouldn't be that way the first three years of his weight training. Like if he started weight training really consistently for a year or two and then said, hey, I'm going to try and lose everything I've gained, yeah. it wouldn't be that hard. But because he has, you got to think that a lot of, hyper, like we talked about, hyperplasia potentially happening with him. And you got to think that he's probably changed some of his fiber types. Oh, dude. yeah. And yeah. that whole muscle memory thing, too. I mean, getting that big, even though you go off all the gear and you lose muscle, which he's finding challenging, which I find hilarious. Yeah, that the is guy's funny. trying to get small, and he's literally bigger than I can I ever get. I don't know about that. He's really trying to get small, dude. You know, at the end of the day, he's—I mean, he might have changed up his training, but he's still wired to train. You yeah, know? like yeah. he's, he's yeah. pretty motivated to keep training. But I mean, you listen to his diet, the way he's eating and stuff like that. I mean, there's parts of that that I can relate to, man. I—I've. I struggled my whole life as a kid just to reach the 200 pound mark. Now for me to get under 200 pounds would be just... You'd I would, have to like lay in bed and starve yourself. Yeah, yeah, totally. And just and hope to God that muscle falls just off along in the place. Body. Yeah, because I, but I, it, which is a good thing. I think it's awesome. I mean, that's what I worked really, really hard for for so many years. I think you just takes a. I think it takes a long time to do do that type of stuff. Like mm -hmm. I'm under how, how old were these twins? Are they 52? 
Oh yeah, so and it's years. I'm yeah, sure years. Year, yeah, yeah, years and years mm-hmm. and years of one training yeah. and the other one not. Like, and you get your this, body just models and molds itself based it adapts, on your man. environment and right. activity, and then you start to create more. Dare I say, permanent gains. This may be why, as you get older, and you're working out, yes, you start to lose gains, but you keep mm-hmm. you keep them pretty well, and you really separate yourself from your peers. But here, so check this out. Here's the other half of this article. Is that they? There was another study that they did with uh, 41 pairs of identical twins. So it's a decent sized study. So that's 82 people, right? And they all had them fill out questionnaires. Now, here's the interesting thing: the twins self-reported getting identical amounts of physical activity, even though in the study, one twin, and this is why these twins were selected, one twin was fatter and had worse health. And when they actually had them wear accelerometers, they found that the lighter, leaner twins had 30%, spend 30% more time being moderately or vigorously active and took 21% more steps. So what does this tell you? Obviously, they're going to be leaner because they move more. But what does this tell you about the self-reporting? They they were reporting identical amounts of activity. The accelerometer showed the op- showed total different. <laughs> and this is this is really a a word of caution for people when they read studies. A lot of studies done on humans mm. are questionnaires. Right. I'd say majority of them are on questionnaires. So when they say things like red meat connected to cancer or people move this much, it's people filling out questionnaires extremely inaccurate yeah, right extremely it inaccurate. also speaks to what we were just talking about too earlier in in this uh, episode of uh you know when you start working out and getting in shape and stuff like that how you can fit it you fit it all of a sudden fit it into your lifestyle and it doesn't seem like you're adding a bunch more exercise it's just everything gets enhanced and then there, therefore it doesn't seem as drastic so if they're reporting the same type of exercise Dude. and feel that in relative to them that's mm-hmm. so true though like you know clients that you'll, you'll ask like specific questions about like how much they've been trained or what you know what amount of healthy foods they've been incorporating in their diet it's like such you know, such a, uh, a puffed up version of what, you know, they're actually doing. And you, you see the same thing too, with like eyewitness accounts, like they, they can't, they can't hold that as weight, you know, in the courtroom anymore. Cause it's so fucking inaccurate. Like people's just perception of things, uh, is always like way different. Oh, huge. What's that one very famous, you can actually watch it on YouTube. You pull up this video where, and I'm going to ruin it for you. So now you're going to see it, whatever. There's a video and it's a very classic experiment where there's like seven or eight people on the screen and they're passing uh dri- they're dribbling and passing a basketball to each other. And your job with this video is to count how many times oh, and the ball the is being passed. Walks in the background. And and you're just counting how many yeah. times it's being passed. Then at the end of the video, they say, "Okay, you, did you count how many times it was passed? Now did you see the gorilla walk through the yeah. walk through the players?" And you're like, "I didn't see a fucking gorilla." Then you rewind the video and it's not even hidden. He walks right Strolls, through, right behind, right him. through the screen. Nobody sees it. Oh, and shit, you don't I've never, see, see, I've never yeah. seen this before. You don't see it because it's called a selective attention test. Yeah. You don't see it because your brain is focused on counting how many times the basketball is being passed around, yeah. and it's a classic test. And it's something like eighty percent of the people who do that won't see the won't see the the, the gorilla. Yeah. Now that I've said this, you're of, gonna see the gorilla. Of course, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. But of course. it's a it's a fascinating well, study to show it, how your brain works. It reminds it me of the, the, the thing this is a visual one, but you do you remember playing the game, oh my God, he walks that yeah, slow and people walks, don't Yeah, yeah and you don't right? see it if you if even you, looks at the camera. He does that, looks at the camera, beats his chest. And if you're not 
looking look if you're listening to this podcast you're it's ruined for you because i've already mentioned it right find this video on youtube and show your friend and yeah. i guarantee yeah, yeah. you eight out of ten of your friends will not see well the- it's like the, don't you guys remember playing this as a kid the the bus driver thing so i used to i used to used to do this thing where you tell somebody like all right i'd talk to justin right i'd be looking at him and say hey are, are you good at math you set him up by asking him if he's good at math like yeah i'm pretty good at math yeah, like, yeah, okay absolutely. and then you tell him okay we're, we're gonna do do this thing see if you can keep track and you start, the, the very first thing you say out of your mouth is, okay, you're the bus driver. You go pick up three kids. Three kids get on the bus. And then you start, you take them through this whole thing. Three kids get on. Oh, then one, you go to the next stop. One kid gets off. And then seven kids get on. And he's sitting here and you can see him like, and then you doing do all the, the math. Yeah, yeah, doing all the math. And you go, what color are the bus driver's eyes at the end? And he's like, fuck, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But you tell him at the very beginning. That he was the bus driver. That he's the bus driver. Yeah. But he totally forgets all about that. It's completely focused on the math. And then at the end, you ask him what color the bus driver's eyes are, and he'll, they, like ninety percent of the people won't get it unless yeah. they've heard of that or know somebody's done it to them. Yeah, but it's yeah. a similar test. It's just done. This is done visually. Well, this one's just crazy because he walks right in yeah, front of you, and it's you don't. So obvious. That's the, that just goes to show yeah. you. It's your eyes don't see shit. It's your brain that sees it. And if it doesn't want you to perceive something, you won't. You won't. There's this other one where they have these two tiles, this these two gray looking tiles, yeah. and then they have what looks like to be a shadow over the top tile. And when you look at the two, the top tile looks significantly like darker light. Or, or lighter. One of them looks- Yeah, I think the bottom one's darker. The bottom one looks significantly darker than the top one. Like, and it's off, you're like, oh yeah, that's for sure darker. But they're like, nope, it's the same color. Mm-hmm. And then when you go up there and you take your hands and cover the shadow and- you, it, or or get a, something. Or, yeah. So so they also have it. So it's like two different pieces of paper. So you can like separate them, right? And they, they're the same color, but then you put them back together. It you, your eyes just immediately create this like shadow effect. To, you, set, to you separate. Per, you perceive one as far darker, and it's the weirdest it, thing. It doesn't make any. You sense, You know it's happening. Dude. You're yeah. looking at it, and you're like that. Your brain just organizes it like that because of the patterns that you've seen, like with everything, with the well, light. That's like this, the book uh, that I was reading, uh, How Emotions Are Made. Like it talks about, you know, what happens is your, your brain is like this high powered, super badass guessing machine. And so when, when something happens in front of you, it, tr- it pulls from all of your experiences and gives you the best estimate of what just happened right in front of you. And like, that's mm-hmm. how perception works. And so if you've, had, if you've had an experience like seeing a car accident, seven times before maybe i've never seen one that's the first one our perception of that car accident we could be standing right next to each other is going to be completely different because mm-hmm. it's formulating in my brain while it's happening and this is the first time my brain may be seeing this where you might have all these other accidents and things to recall from so your experience on it's going to be dramatically different although we're both looking at the exact same mm-hmm. thing so mm-hmm. it's crazy when you think about it. i know i love that shit oh there it is <laughs> There it is. So yeah. you can see right there. See how there the top one looks darker than the bottom one? So it has an orange background on the top, and it has sort of a brown, you know, textured. Yeah. They're exactly the same. The bottom. Are ex- they really? They are yeah. exactly the same color. Oh, that's now. Does it have anything to do with the ones in the background? Because it's because it's making you pull from that. I, that might be part of it, but they're the exact. And it's such a weird. It's such a what's it called? The corn sweet illusion. That's the name of it. The corn. The corn sweet illusion. There you go. So you can look it up. Yeah, I love that shit. I love. I love knowing that I'm my brain or whatever that my reality is pretty much bullshit. Help me, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it helps you keep an open mind to other ideas and other concepts and other people when you think you're so positive and so sure about things, right? Yeah, you know, you could say, okay, well, like, is that reality? Is that really what you're yeah. experiencing? Yeah, it's better to be a little open minded. No, no, it's a, I think that's a great way to put that. I mean, it's your reality. That's what it is, right? Yeah. <laughs> and your reality is real. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> 
All right, our first question is from Built by Rye. What's the most accurate way to measure BMR? Is tracking your calories for a few weeks and watching your weight the best way? Is there an accurate equation? This is I, I picked this question because of what we're going through right now, and I think that uh, this was probably one of the most challenging times for me be, because everything's different, you know, without being on testosterone, my hormone levels being all over the place. You basically had to test yourself like you had your, would have your clients do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I had to start all over. Mm-hmm. Like, I really did. So, um, but now here's... Here's what's cool about science and tools, and this is where I where I do like a lot of these things, where I like the Fitbits and I like the body fat testers. All of them are fucked up. All of them you can manipulate by a ton of percent. All of them are not super accurate. They could be super accurate to somebody, and they could be totally off for another person. But what I like is it they're 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 good enough to give you a baseline to kind of start and go from. So. You know, if you go get like one of these tests, body fat tests, and most of them now, they kick off your BMR on there. Now, mm. I don't take that BMR and say that's my BMR. Like I don't, I, I don't believe in it. I don't trust the machine enough. I know that it can be manipulated mm-hmm. by so much in in a single day that I don't use that as a hard number, but I do use it as a place to kind of start where I okay, if this is my BMR, I move X amount of steps per day. That's X amount of calories more than I'm probably burning. So, okay. For example, I think mine on that test thing says my BMR was like 23 or 2400 or something like that. Mm. So, you know, I figure, okay, well that's probably, if I, if I hit 25 to 3000, that's probably going to keep my weight right around. And that's how I kind of started off with coming up with the number where I'd be. And then I've gone up and down and manipulated that. But I, I think, Getting a number first like that. And then here's the part that I think a lot of people just won't do. or They, they don't put the time in to get really honed in. And, and I tell – Katrina and I were talking about this last night, literally, because she's like, it's so crazy to me how fast you can manipulate your body. Yeah. And I said, well, because what I do is I, I said, everybody focuses on the cut. Everybody focuses on getting shredded, getting lean, oh, a new challenge, diet, whatever like that. But I spent a majority of my time honing in on where homeostasis is. Justin kind of touched on this the other day. Yeah. I'm really good at that. And that's because I don't stress about seeing the scale move right away or seeing my body change a bunch. It's like I care more about figuring out where, right where my body wants to be and right where it's like balanced. And then I can start to manipulate and play with things. And what it, it takes consistency of tracking for a little while before you can get a, like you can't just track for three or four days and be like, oh yeah, my BMR or my my calorie maintenance is 3,200 calories. Like, no, I just throw that away. That equation and all that, throw that away. I, in my opinion, it's, it's worthless. What's worth something is going through like the week to two weeks of like really trying to maintain uh, whatever weight you're currently at and your activity levels and try and mirror that and see like, oh, oh well, today I actually went up a few pounds. Okay. Well, what happened? What was different? And, you know, like working your way through all that just to understand your your body and, and see like, well, this really is the calorie amount 
that uh, is maintenance for me. And so here's where I can manipulate just a little bit up, a little bit down. And then now I kind of have a better gauge of mm. what to do more accurately. There, there is a machine that will rate that will Body measure chain. your BMR, but they're super expensive and you'll find them at universities. I don't remember the name of them. It's, is, it's but a, there's one's a body gym. Is it? Okay. Mm-hmm. So it, aside from that, there's really nothing uh, that's easy to access or even anything I'd recommend to anybody other than what we're talking about. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. First off, yes, you can manipulate your body very quickly. And that's a good thing. That means your body's healthy and it's adapting. The day your body stops adapting quickly is, uh, is not a good day. That means you're, you're probably getting ready to die pretty soon. So that's a, that's a good thing. But and, and here's the other thing. You could have two people who weigh the same, same muscle mass, same fat mass, you know, both the same gender. One person's metabolism can be much faster than the other. We don't quite know why one person may have a faster metabolism. So it's not this direct transfer of you have this much muscle mass and you weigh this much. And if you gain this more muscle, you'll get this much faster metabolism. It's very, very, very complex. And we're still trying to figure it out, which is why really today, the only accurate and and I guess most accessible way to measure your BMR is exactly what we're talking about. Track your calories, track your activity. If your body weight stays the same over the course of about two weeks, congratulations, you're probably eating quite close to your what your basal metabolic rate is, what you're burning on a daily basis with your normal activity and all that stuff. If you gain a little bit of weight, then you know that you're eating more than you're, you're burning. And if you start to lose weight, you're burning less. That's really the only way to do it. I do not like, like you go online and you look up how to measure my BMR and it's a generic formula yeah. and I guarantee you it's going to be off for everybody. It's always going to be off. This is why when you see like calorie recommendations from like diet books and stuff like that, I'm always like, how the it's fuck are- so arbitrary. Yeah. How are you giving people- uh, I Look, I know at 200 pounds, I could get my metabolism to the point where I can maintain it at- 2,000 calories, or I can maintain it at closer to 3,000 calories, depending on my activity level. You know, if I'm lifting to build, if I've slowly reverse dieted, if my hormones are on point, like all these, you know, my sleep, all these things affect how your body well, kind of utilizes calories. I don't know. It just kind of cracks me up. Like people that are very mathematical about everything, and it's it's great. Like when it works out on paper, it just doesn't work like that. The human body. There's just too many moving parts. There's hormones. There's you know different different like variables that present themselves like day to day, and you can't factor that in. And mm-hmm. so it's gonna affect your outcome it's it's not going to equal n you know it's going to equal something else yeah and that's why and and this is also a reason why bmr is a good starting point but then afterwards like whatever because your bmr changes so even if you are able to figure out your accurate you know basal metabolic rate is it going to be the same three weeks from now when you're either in a surplus or a deficit Probably not. It'll no, either- it's forever change. It's changing every day. I mean, that stuff is changing every day. So, I mean, and here's the thing. I'm I'm a I'm a numbers guy. I track and I do all these things. But what I don't do is I don't get hung up on the on the actual number itself. It's like I use it as as all these. Okay, if but you're I, cross-referencing it exactly. with body weight with all that. Exactly. stuff. Exactly. That's exactly how I use it. It's not like oh my Fitbit says this, so therefore I'm okay. Or oh it says I burn this many calories, therefore I could eat this now. Or oh it says I need to do this, so I need to increase this. Mm-hmm. It's like no 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 no. It's like I'm paying attention to my steps. 
I know what a, I know what a, a high day of stepping is for me. I know what a low day of stepping is. I know what right in the middle is. I'm paying attention to my calorie burn during my workouts. You know, I use the tool because it, it measures all these things, right? So yesterday uh, was a moderate to high step day for me, but I burned a lot of calories. Well, why? Well, because I ramped up my intensity in in my workout, and, and I intentionally did that, right? So I. And I, now I take that into consideration when I manipulate my calories. I go, okay, well, I didn't step as much as I, I normally step, but I had a way more intense lifting session. So I actually burned more calories that day stepping less because I increased my intensity. Mm-hmm. So then again, now I'm readjusting. So I love to track all of these things to use them all as a tool for me to pull from and You're make collecting my, data points. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. all it is. But I, and everybody always, I get a, this is probably one of the top DMs too that I get is asking about like what Fitbit I use and what parts of it do I use and do you, is your is your calorie expenditure on there accurate? And it's like I don't know, I don't care either. Yeah. It's like what it is, it's consistent. It's consistent with what it reads. If I walk, yeah, if it's wrong, it's consistently wrong. Yeah, but no, it's a number that exactly. Yeah. That's exactly how I look at it. It could be way, it could be off by five. I don't give a shit. But what I know is that when I walk and do these things, it's consistent with that. It knows my stride now. It knows that. And right, so that's right. consistent. And it definitely know it can it definitely picks up when I have a high like I definitely notice this. A I can have a ten thousand step day, okay? A normal workout, and my Fitbit will read that I burn thirty four, thirty five hundred calories. Okay. Ten thousand steps, a normal workout, thirty four hundred calories. Then I can have a 8,000 step day, so less active, but then in a very intense workout, and my my Fitbit says I burn 3,800 calories. Mm-hmm. So what's great about it and what I love is that it, it it does pick up that. It shows me like, oh, even though you you weren't as active, you did burn more calories today because of the intensity that I applied. Sure. So now I can play with my lifting intensity too based mm-hmm. off of these things. Again, not sticking to the hard number, using it just as something that I can draw from. Yeah, and that's just a, a way different way to approach it than um, you know taking your age, your weight, your uh, like the activity, they give you numbers for like these specific activities and it's like this, this preloaded formula, it's just not gonna apply to you. That's so. right, and the other thing to consider too is with your workouts, you may do a workout in a day and burn less calories. However, that workout may be sending a signal that's going to speed up your metabolism. So that's not even the entire picture. Like I could lift weights for an hour and do a really good resistance training routine, you know, a really good workout. That's that's you know straight sets, looking to build muscle, build strength. And I could also do an hour of cardio. Now, I may measure with that hour of cardio higher calorie burn. And so somebody who just focuses on calories will say, oh, I'm going to just do the cardio because I'm burning 300 more calories a day. But what they don't realize is that the resistance training is telling my body to burn more calories through time, whereas the cardio may be doing the opposite or maybe do nothing in that regard or may usually doing the opposite, especially if I do, oh, that's all I do or I do too much of it. So there's a lot of information well, to take into and account. There, and you know, on that note of cardio, this is the reason why I don't like to implement any cardio at the very beginning. Because mm-hmm. it can throw off me trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Like if I were doing, if I was doing cardio in the middle of all this stuff, it would, I would be like, oh shit! I just now was that that ca- that calorie expenditure, that bump I just got, was that because of my intensity in my workout? Was that because I did thirty minutes of vigorous cardio mm-hmm. afterwards? Fuck, I don't know which one it was. So I'm not sure if I want to feed myself because my body's going to be sending a signal to grow and build because I had trained really hard, or is because I mm-hmm. burned a lot. So it just throws another variable in there. So. 
I won't do cardio until this final week. So we were coming up on our final week. I have not mm-hmm. done an ounce of cardio. Now I've walked. You yeah, know, I've me gone, either, man. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've done walks and I've done that and and got my steps and my knee up. But I have not got on a treadmill with the intention of to ramp up some expenditure. Mm-hmm. Now I will because this is the final week. I will implement implement it into my routine because I also feel. I'm I'm dialed in on the calories where I'm what my body's normally burning, what a high day, right, what a right, low right, day right, is. Right. And so now what I can do is I'll have a day where I'll feed myself adequate calories and stuff. I'll be I'll refuel, get a good weight training routine in, and then I might have a low day where I start to get on some list cardio or maybe do a little bit of hit after my workout and then focus on burning fat more and then go in and out of that until the end of the the end of this competition. It's the final countdown. <laughs> yeah. Our next question is from Isaac Verhessen. What are your thoughts on creatine? Have you used it? Would you recommend it? What's the best way to use it? Now, we've addressed this before, mm-hmm. but we had like three questions today in the um, in the quad that were related to creatine. That's why. That's I- all right. I think it's a subject we need to touch on every once in a while because we get new listeners all the time who maybe don't go back and listen to all of our old episodes. Uh, and, and this is a good subject. Creatine of all of the ergogenic aids, of all the supplements that you can take that purport to improve athletic performance, strength, build muscle, burn body fat, basically all supplements, okay, that are not food, okay, because food is obviously the best supplement if you were to consider it that. Of all the supplements you could possibly take right now, creatine is head and shoulders above the rest. Mm -hmm. There is no competition. There's nothing you can take that's not hormonal, that compares to creatine in terms of all of the beneficial effects. Creatine builds muscle, it is, so it speeds up the rate of building muscle, improves recovery, creatine uh, increases strength. It also now has been shown to burn body fat, possibly through secondary means. It has heart health benefits, brain health benefits. Doctors now are using them in neurological uh, treatments and studies, so people with Alzheimer's and uh, Parkinson's and other types of neurological disorders are benefiting from taking creatine. So creatine is just wide-ranging in terms of its benefits, and the side effects and negative effects of taking creatine are almost zero. It's one of the most studied supplements. There's probably a 1,000 uh, peer-reviewed you know, articles out there, studies on creatine, and it's extremely, extremely safe when you're, in healthy, you're a healthy individual. It may increase a little bit of uh, you know, testosterone production in the body, that may be one of the maybe positive, you know, negatives, but it's not anything significant. Although that's a positive for a lot of people. Um, but and now, why people ask, well, why why is creatine so awesome? Why is it so great uh, for for all these different things? Well, it replenishes your your ATP and ADP yeah, at and, a faster rate. And, and ATP is the fuel of the cell right. of all cells. Like that's the that's the fuel that your body needs to operate. And when you have uh, when you when you increase your amount, and creatine can be found by the way naturally. So you get creatine in in animal meat, so yeah. chicken, beef, red fish. Meat, yeah. uh, red meat has the highest concentration. Yeah. Anytime you eat muscle, you're going to eat uh, some creatine, right? Because that's where a lot of it's stored. But your body takes creatine and it and it uses it to synthesize ATP. And apparently, when creatine was first introduced in the market, you know, I remember when it was first introduced. It was the early '90s. And I was young, right? So I was, you know, this is when I first really started working out. And I remember creatine was real expensive. And I think it was EAS was one of the first 
companies to really sell creatine. That's what made them big. They had phosphagen and phosphagain and all these different things. Yeah. And I remember having taken supplements as a kid and nothing really worked. And then I bought phosphagain, which was a protein powder that had creatine in it. And I remember taking it and a week later I had gained like four pounds mm-hmm. and I was stronger and it was like blew my mind. And that actually was a bad thing because then I thought, oh, cool, supplements work really well. It was the only supplement ever did anything like that. Yeah, that's like funny. That. It was the only supplement that worked that I had experience with. Well, besides, I would I would combo that with a pro- whey protein shake, you know, and kind of like do everything at once. But, um, man, it was significant, like what you would feel in your workout. You'd actually feel that, like last rep or two reps, you could feel uh, the strength. Well, I used to give this, this is how I used to give the analogy to clients so they kind of understood like what was going on. Cause obviously talking about ATP and ADP and stuff like that can kind of lose the average person. I'd say, look, think of yeah, it like so this. Explain the, the Krebs cycle. Please. Yeah, right. So let's, <laughs> let's think of it like this. And, th- and this is what I'd say to them is imagine all things equal. We're bench pressing, same weight, same everything, same rest periods, all that the same. The, you get onto the bench press and we, we, we have no creatine in us. You just are normal, right? And you do your bench press set. And when in, let's just say your body starts off with a hundred energy molecules. Okay, use it has a hundred of them. You do a bench press, and the body uses up you know twenty five of those to do that set of bench press. Then you sit down and you rest between your next set, and then your body starts to replenish those. And when it replenishes it, you get back under for your second set, and now the body replenished like twenty of those twenty five. And so now you now you you have five less than before. When you're on creatine, the body replenishes 27 or 28 of those molecules. And so that, and that keeps carrying over into each exercise. So it's replenishing that at a faster rate. Well, if you have more energy to go into each set, even if it's just a little bit, it's that much more that you can push. And that's why people feel the strength and they feel it the also increases. So here's the interesting thing about ATP and, and, you know, storing this kind of energy. We do have a limit in terms of how much we can store, just like we have a limit with glycogen and all these other things. However, most of us are not at that limit, even if you eat meat on a regular basis. When you throw creatine, they call it supersaturation. When you take creatine, you'll find that your body's capability to store this energy is actually much higher Mm -hmm. than what you're living at. So really with that comparison that you're giving, Adam, it's another step forward. It, it's even uh, There's even more going on where you had 100 energy molecules, you take creatine, now you have 115 mm. to begin with. So you actually have more to begin with anyway. Mm. On top of that, uh, creatine, consuming creatine causes muscle cells to hold more water. Mm-hmm. Now this isn't bloat. Okay, Bloat is outside of the muscle. That's when you're smooth or whatever. This is actually... Fluid within your muscles, and well, this is a, the cell volumizers. That the the term. That's for? what they came up yeah. with. That yeah, and that's that's a good thing. I mean, your your muscles are up to seventy percent of 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 non muscle fiber structures. So now your muscles hold more fluid. The more hydrated, this cell swelling effect actually signals the body to build muscle as well. So you see that things like muscle protein synthesis accelerate, which is basically a way to measure how your body builds muscle. So there's all these really interesting good things that happen when you supplement with creatine. Do you remember how I used to use, have when I was competing how I used to use creatine? Do you guys remember me talking about that early on in the show? So I put that together like I don't know if it was my second show or what, but after the first show I remember how deflating and demoralizing it was to go into a cut for 6 weeks and be flat most of the time and just look at myself in the mirror knowing that I'm getting in better shape 
but looking at it and being like, oh my God, I don't feel my shirts out. My pumps aren't awesome because I'm not, I'm deprived of calories. You know, you have less carbohydrates in you. Your body is not fueled up. Of course, the muscle bellies are not filled all the way up. So like a hack that I would do is I would take creatine and that's, and I would only really do it during my cut. I'm on anabolic. So it gives a shit when I'm trying to build muscle and nothing's going to be a surpass that. So I'm not really worried about creatine during the the bulk side of my cycle, but when I'm going into a cut for a show, I would actually take creatine with that that theory in place of oh okay, my body will now hold on to some more water in the muscle bellies and give me this fuller look when I'm exercising, and it helped the mental side for me more than anything else. Was plus you look better. Yeah, I mean let's be honest. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like if it would fill me out, and I would look better while I'm lifting, and so it would help me when I'm in that depleted state. I used to share that with all my competitor buddies that hey, I don't know how often you use creatine because most of these guys were everyone's running gear, so no one's talking yeah. about creatine like creatine will never compare to test test e or to cessanon or just yeah, something like yeah. that so most guys are talking about that but i found creatine to be very beneficial for me even with all that stuff when i was cutting to help volumize the cells and keep water held inside yeah, so the muscle bellies vegetarians and vegans would probably benefit the most the to supplement most. creatine but now, do vegans actually have an issue with that because it's usually derived from, you know, uh, meat? Meat. No, your body can synthesize. Uh, it synthesizes it, uh, its own, you know, ATP from uh, two amino acids. Can't remember what they are. Um, so if they're getting adequate, you know, protein, their body will be synthesizing. However, you are absolutely right. When they've done studies on the cognitive boosting effects of creatine, consistently in vegans, when they take creatine, their IQ goes up because they're actually thinking sharper. So if you're a vegan, you for sure should supplement with creatine. I think it's also pointing to the fact that a vegan diet may not be ideal mm -hmm. for everybody because yeah. they're the only group that shows a significant, you know, measurable cognitive boost aside from people with neurological disorders from supplementing with creatine. Now that all being said, creatine isn't for everybody. There is a small percentage of people that are known as non-responders where they take creatine, get no effect from it, or some people get gastrointestinal uh, distress. They'll take creatine, they'll get bloating and diarrhea. In those two cases, don't take creatine. Yeah, stop doing it. Yeah, just because you know we're saying how awesome it is, if it's affecting your body negatively or you're not getting any effects, you're better off than not taking it. The other side of this is people I know are going to follow up and be like, well, which kind of creatine oh, yeah. should I take? Well, I want the grape flavor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. So uh, creatine, like I said, it's been studied forever. The, crate, the form of creatine that has been studied in something like 95% of all the studies is good old-fashioned. Mm, the monohydrate. Yeah, creatine monohydrate. Just regular old creatine monohydrate. Now, a lot of – and this is what supplement companies do – because creatine was such a blockbuster, it's like the first big blockbuster supplement, right? Because it actually worked for, for yeah. once. It's doing something. <laughs> so it exploded onto the scene. EAS, you know, had kind of the cornered the market. And they used to sell, I remember this, no joke. This is back in 1994, maybe. They would sell a 300-gram bottle of creatine, which isn't that much. 300 grams is not going to, especially if you take five grams a day or whatever, they would sell it for like $50, $60. I could buy a thousand grams now of creatine for twenty bucks, right? So they used to sell it for real expensive, and then supplement companies, as everybody's starting to get their hands on creatine, it became 
well, shit, everybody's selling the same creatine now. How am I going to separate myself? <laughs> right. So they come out with different Time versions. Time-released ones. Or yeah, right. like creatine citrate or <laughs> you know diff- different forms of creatine. This one's buffered. Creatine is buffered. Or this one's got you know a different molecule attached to it, so it's better for you. When they've done studies to compare creatine monohydrate to these other forms of creatine, it's still superior. Not only is it, it's not only is it the same in most cases, but it's actually superior in a lot of cases where you actually give your body more creatine. And the best part is pure creatine monohydrate is cheap now. Which is different than what the guy at the, the supplement shop will probably tell you because oh, he's yeah. being told whatever uh, yeah. was he was yeah. sold to tell you no. based off some recent no, you study want, they did. You want pure creatine monohydrate powder. You don't yeah. want any fillers. You don't want any flavor. Add it to your protein shake. It's inexpensive. There's a lot of reputable brands now. Crea Pure is a company that's a mass producer of creatine and they have a lot of standards in terms of the purity of their creatine. So you'll see a lot of a lot of uh, producers will, will carry that type of creatine. Uh, I mean, and that's that's pretty much it, I guess. Next question is from Catgirl25. How is Katrina training for Spartan? I'm in the Ultra Worlds in Iceland this December, having done my trifecta and the endurance series, including Ultra Beast last year. I've been training seriously, consistently for about three years, by which I mean one big goal event a year. For example, Marathon, Trifecta, the Ultra Beast, uh, something 12-hour. My plan is currently two interval runs, alternating one long run or obstacle race session a week, plus one hit spin class, and I'm following MAPS Anabolic two days a week to rebuild base strength. One full rest day and one yoga recovery run per day. It feels simultaneously like too much and not enough. Unsure anything will be enough for a 24-hour, 50-mile Spartan. Basically, I'm terrified. I'm approaching it wrong. Hmm. This is a good question. Yeah, and that's why I wanted I wanted Doug to read all of it because how Katrina is training and everything she's got going on are just polar opposites. Like, I mean, Katrina is frustrated. She's just training for Spartan. Yeah, Katrina's just training for Spartan, and the the she her she's gonna hit the Ultra Beast, which is the the peak of of what she'll do, which is like a five to seven hour race. The, she's talking. The, the this girl is talking about doing a 24 hour one in Iceland which is which is crazy and you're and you're doing a big race at least one uh, one a year and if you said the trifecta that means you did two or three races minimum a year too and then in addition to that you're also trying to to do anabolic well here's the thing like and this is like I told Katrina when she was getting ready for this is at the end of the day something has to give you know something has to give you're you are not going to build a strong muscular looking physique and then be a great endurance runner can you have a little bit of both sure you can have a little bit something's going to give if they're or they're both going to give a little bit and you have to be okay that now personally me and i'm curious to hear what the boys think but right away when i hear what you're doing i I can't quite put my finger on the spin and the hit where that has a lot of value i think Mm. i would drop that immediately if you're still if we're trying to be as big and strong or as muscular as we can while also being having the endurance in there, uh, a spin class and and the hit training, I don't know if I would do that in addition to your runs every week for Spartan and the strength training. Yeah, I would probably keep it most like similar to what you're actually going to be doing. Like, like so running it has a lot of weight. So that's something that you're going to literally be doing alongside, you know, the pulling, the climbing, mm-hmm. the, the functional, you know, aspects uh, of the actual course. 
But yeah, as much as you can mimic that with your endurance, the better. Um, but as far as like Adam's saying, it's a compromise. Like, so you already have to understand that like you're, you have two different pursuits that we're trying to sort of blend in the middle. So it's not going to be, you're not going to be the most optimal strength wise, the most optimal endurance wise, but you're going to be somewhere there in the middle. Whereas we're, we're going to try and get to, I think it's, it's really important to communicate this when you're looking at obstacle course races and you're looking at the best, uh, you know, or people who are in the upper echelon are really, really good. Yeah, look who they look like. They're, well, first off, mm. yes, everybody's fit. That's obvious. Everybody's going to be pretty fit. But what separates the really good ones and just the regular good ones is that they're very efficient, okay? Yeah. Their, their technique is excellent. You are doing, when you're doing a Spartan race or obstacle course racing, you're not just running. You're doing a lot of different obstacles. And I watched. We went to one, and I watched, and I could see clearly how efficient the people who were good at, at the events, whether it's swinging from something or climbing a wall or whatever, versus everybody else who was also very, very fit, who was very inefficient. You could take somebody who's, I, can, I tell you what, you could take a, a, the top, top level Tour de France uh, you know, bicyclist and you can throw him in the water and have him swim and he'll tire out much faster than somebody who swims all the time, who's, who might not even be at an elite level, who might just be a... You know, somebody who's at the top state level or something like that because they're so efficient at swimming. So I'd say if I were training somebody in this, I would say, look, you definitely want to be fit. Like, let's let's not forget that you want to be fit. But what you should really be focusing on is your skill, how good you are at each of those events. Practice those as much as possible, but don't practice them to beat yourself up. Mm -hmm. Practice them to get good at them. So what I mean by that is you're going to still work out. You're still going to get, you know, you're still going to do the hard stuff. So, so don't stop that. But when you go practice these obstacles, don't go out to do them to fatigue, to get tired. Every once in a while, it's okay to do that. But a lot of the time, you should go out there to get really fucking good at getting over that wall with as few as little energy as possible and as few steps as possible. To be able to swing from things with as little energy as possible and as, as good of technique as possible. To be able to pick up whatever you're going to carry and run with it with the best technique and get yourself as good as possible because that efficiency matters a lot when you're doing stuff like this. So in this, so the things that now, now that we addressed kind of you, I'll tell you some of the things that Katrina is doing because Katrina, I mean, she was really frustrated last week because she lost a little bit of muscle. And for her, she really is flirting with that. She she doesn't care to be first place a Spartan. She doesn't. She has her brother who she's going to be waiting for half the time anyways. She just wants to be able to complete it and not die doing it. So, you know, so we care a little bit more about strength training. So she's lifting you know, three times a week, pretty consistently following like a maps anabolic mm -hmm. slash kind of map split type of a routine is what she's, she's doing. And then she runs and she runs two times to three times a week, depending on how that works with her lifting. Like if it ends up being a pretty heavy lifting week, then we might taper down on the running that week. If it was lighter on that, then she, she runs a little bit more to kind of listen to her body. And then I have her, the way she runs is the runs I have her like Spartan isn't a ten mile straight run. They break it up in blocks of like yeah. you know, and each one's different. Like in, I don't remember what the the beast was, and, and Katrina knows because she's been told from me like whatever those markers are at, run for that distance. So you know she only does these little one mile intervals like because mm -hmm. you're never going to run for longer than a one mile straight. So you shouldn't. Why go for a five mile run? Yeah. It doesn't make sense yeah. to go for a five mile run if you're going to. So she'll run for a mile. And then she'll do body weight type stuff. Or right. in the gym, like the way we've modified MAPS Anabolic and MAPS Split is I have her doing a lot of grip strength, a lot of hangs, mm -hmm. pull-ups, a lot of rowing stuff because they have a lot of 
They have a lot of row type exercises. They have a lot of body weight, holding your body weight up. So I have her hang on a bar for as long as she can. So she'll grab a hold of the pull-up bar and hang. And we Mm -hmm. time and see how long she's improving on that. So she does some, you know, Mm -hmm. exercises like that. Grip strength. So I ever do farmer walks with heavy kettlebells. So these are all things that I think will benefit what she's doing in the Spartan race. Meanwhile, also still kind of strength training. Yeah, with she's her. doing smart. Yeah, uh, this is actually where I do see some benefit in circuit training. I mean, where you where you're actually going to go and and perform certain uh, lifts that that are that are strength based, but in between, you know, you're going to have a little bit of that endurance component to it. So, is she is she doing like mo- a lot of uh, mobility and correctional type stuff too? Because I could see at this level of training. Probably one of the biggest uh, hurdles for people is like injury or, you know. Well, I like I heard what this girl was doing. She mentioned that she's doing this the day of yoga one day. And I forget what she said the other day um, or she said mobility or what. But Katrina. So I teach a mobility class once a week that Katrina obviously takes that. Mm. And then she knows she has all of her priming exercises that she's known to do. because yeah, she has, So she does that before every run and before every gym. So she's really good about keeping herself that way and then she of course she has me to communicate with if she overdoes something and i can tell her how to critique but she's pretty dialed in with that and to justin's note this is part of why we went to campbell the other day because campbell it's really cool they have i forget the name of that the los gatos creek trail run area Mm -hmm. or whatever Mm -hmm. it goes on forever uh along the way they have balance beam they have pull-up bars they have rings they have dip bars so and it's kind of cool because it is broken up almost in like how a spartan race is so i think it's really neat so she'll she'll run from one marker do a couple pull-ups on the thing or dips and then run in the next marker and so you to your point of like the circuit training that this is where and we did that when i came in i I told you guys earlier in the podcast that i picked up the intensity wall i put together like a little circuit for us mm-hmm. i hadn't done a circuit training like that in a long time i wanted to increase the intensity in my my lifting session that day burn more calories so i did and i was with her so we did something that i thought would kind of benefit both of us so i mean that's how she's training right now now if she was wanting to be a just a spartan racer like we would be doing a lot of that you know of just that getting really really good at building her endurance and her tank and literally only doing the moves that are going to support that she wouldn't be doing a lot of bench pressing and shit like that that ain't going to really benefit her she's not going to be doing a lot of tricep extension exercise like shit like that she'd be doing all these movements that would benefit the spartan race but because she's trying to you know balance between staying athletic looking and we already i mean i'm very 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 blunt with her too so i tell her like she looks great right now but her body is completely changed and it's completely changed to look like a runner right now I mean, I, I think she looked – she's leaner right now, but I think she looked better just six, seven months ago before she started doing – or whatever it was when she started doing the Spartan race because she was purely just uh, bodybuilding where she was mm. building her yep. muscles to look a certain way. And so she's – a totally her, different pursuit. Oh, yeah. Her body type is changing right now. She's You can tell that she's lost a little bit of her butt. She's definitely leaned out in her arms. She doesn't have as pronounced shoulders. And so her shape is, is changing right now. Still looks incredible. Still looks in great shape and everything. But her body is now adapting to be more a better runner than it is a better lifter. And it's you can see that. That's what the body does. Yep. Next question is from Colombian Carrie. 
to all three of you. Name top three unattractive traits you find in a woman and why. Oh, man. Adam, <laughs> what, Adam, what is this? Some kind of sabotage? Adam question. question. Yeah. Good job. Well, I figured you guys aren't dating women that have three unattractive traits, right? right so yeah, the, ones in the, the ones that you have uh, found in the past, I mean, it'll probably take a minute for us. We'll go around. Yeah. I don't know if I have all three off the top of my head. Dude, I can, uh, I just can name a couple. super, super insecure. Oh, that's that's, well, that's, that's, that's kind of obvious. Yeah, I feel like we're going to name three unattractive traits in people. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think that's it just, doesn't I matter. Yeah, I don't like. Or, right? I don't like anybody who. Yeah. I, I have a tough. Not. I don't like. I find anybody unattractive who's super. You know, really, really low confidence or, or yeah. uh, insecure. It just makes people act in a particular well, way. Well, I, I think it's easy too for us to say this instead of saying that unattractive about women. What I think are three of the most attractive things for me for a woman, which the the opposite would be true, right? So if you're so, mm-hmm. for example. Um, self-awareness is one of the most uh, attractive qualities uh, about Katrina. Like that's definitely number one. So obviously one of the most unattractive things I could find about someone is someone who is very not self-aware. So if you're not self-aware, like that's a a major pet peeve and very unattractive quality for me to be, to be dating you. I remember, I remember a while ago I trained uh, a a young lady who competed in uh, pageants. Mm. Um, beauty pageants. So it's not bikini or whatever. It's an actual like Miss America type stuff, right? All right. And I got into that world uh, for, a, for a second there. And one thing that really was so unattractive about a lot of the people who were in that space were these girls, when they would communicate to you, and, I, and this was shocking to me, I trained one of the girls, right? And she actually won one of the competitions. I'm not gonna say which one because I don't want to call her out. But she was a very intelligent young lady, very smart, very sharp or whatever. But then when she would get around the people in that space or when I'd hear her talk to other men, she would raise her voice a little bit and act Mm -hmm. stupid. Like, oh, what? I don't know what's going on. And she would do this thing. And I noticed this, this happens with a lot of women. Now, guys do the opposite where they try to act smart and try to act whatever. And I think it's because, and when you look at this from a behavioral standpoint, psychologists have said for a long time that, that when women pick a mate, they tend to want to pick someone who's at the same level or a little higher than them. And men tend to pick a mate who's on the same level or a little lower than them. That's why they say men have, you know, uh, uh, a fragile ego. Like if a woman shows that she's maybe smarter or stronger, a lot of guys get offended. And so I think sometimes women make themselves seem dumber Mm -hmm. to try and do that. And I can't stand that. I don't like when people, first of all, I don't like people who are, I don't like people who are dumb anyway, but if you're going to make yourself sound dumber that to me is a travesty oh, that's a big that's a big one for me especially when uh, the voice changes and it's like this this cartoony kind of yeah. like character from disneyland or something <laughs> just like oh yeah i'm just like can't stand that. get get the fuck out of here yeah, yeah. which, yeah. which yeah. that's too much which the opposite of that which the opposite of that would be confidence right and, well so, intelligence yeah, 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 yeah i love i love intelligence so it's such an attraction it's one of the first things that got yeah but you could be really intelligent but acting like the dits like you just said so yeah. com- i know confidence is the it's part of it right confidence is definitely and that would go for another one for me so i think self-awareness confidence and then probably a third thing that's so important to me and so I'm saying the things that are important to me because I think they're the most unattractive part is the opposite of that, right? Sure. So confidence, if you're not confident at all, insecure, I think that's a, a major one. And then also self-care. And that's something that uh, has changed as I've gotten older. Like uh, I didn't realize how important that would be for me as I, as I age. And, it, and I, I'm extremely blessed to have a partner that 
um, is so motivated for self-care. And on many levels, when I say self-care too, like so her desire to grow, her desire to improve herself, not just mentally, but also physically, um, is it far outweighs what I would ever want for her. So that is very, very attracted to me. Mm-hmm. And it's very unattractive when, you, when you're with a partner who doesn't care about growth and doesn't care about taking care of themselves. Yeah. And it's very motivating when you have a partner who is equal in that department or potentially even more so because that's what's neat about us is, of course, I have my times where I don't feel like growing or I don't feel like putting the work mm-hmm. in or doing what I need to do. But when I have a partner who cares so much about taking care of herself in those er- those areas... I don't want to get left behind. You want a yeah. grower. Yeah. Not a shower. <laughs> yeah. No, it's well, true. Well, the opposite of that, though, like, as far as, like, I I am so much more attracted to, like, a self-depreciating, like, humorous person. Oh, than sense I, than of I humor. Am, yeah, oh, yeah, than I am somebody that's, like, they always have their shit together, and then when, when something goes wrong, it's like they lose it, you know? I just... Like you have to be able to find humor and comedy and a lot of, like, like really fucking like like life in general like there's going to be stress stressful situations yeah you got to roll with it you can't be like that fragile yeah consistent yeah, yeah, yeah I, right. I i absolutely agree i mean uh, intelligence was a big one for me because i i like conversation but there's another part to that and this may be a personal one but i like you know i like i, I want to be with a woman who is going to challenge me or at least not be afraid to challenge me who's going to sit there and question things and I remember when I first met, you know, when I first had a good conversations with Jessica way before we started dating, we started discussing nutrition and she was questioning me on things and she was throwing science and facts at me. And at the, I remember at the end of the conversation, I looked at her and I was like, wow, you're really opinionated. And she got offend, offended at first and said, <laughs> no, 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 I do not mean that in a negative way. I mean, I love the fact that we're able to have this discussion and that you're challenging me and in, 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 in you're not afraid to do so. And that may be a confidence thing. I really, really enjoy that. What's, what's, uh, here's an unattractive thing. I mean, I don't know if I can, uh, yeah, this, this is also super unattractive, is controlling people. This has, not just women, this can be men as well. I think maybe more so men, but I really don't like people who try to control you, who try to control yeah, what you do, what you meddlers. say, who you're talking to. You know, I, and, and that may be a confidence thing or a lack of confidence, right? It really is. Mm-hmm. I really feel like that uh, being confident or a lack of confidence as far as being an ugly trait, like yeah. an insecure woman is a huge, huge turnoff. Oh, yeah. You see that in many forms, right? You see that like I have to post all these half naked pictures on Instagram because yeah. I need the attention of it and all that kind of shit. It just bleeds through as insecure. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So I think insecurity is another one. I mean, that's, I mean, those are my big three for me that I think, uh, I, yeah. I look for in a woman and yeah. that, and that's probably changed as I've gotten older too. Of course I, it has, because as you become more secure and confident yourself, I mean, here's the deal. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think back, maybe not so much myself because I've always kind of valued that, but you know, I don't know. I, I, I guess I could say this. Would I have been intimidated by a hyper intelligent, hyper successful woman at the age of 20 more so than now? Now, if I meet a woman who's fucking super successful, super intelligent because I'm more secure with myself, now I'm going to be attracted to it. Whereas and I think that's why your taste or your understandings change it because changes, you become yeah. more. Yeah, you know yourself more. You become more secure more. And as you start to do that, you know what you really, really like rather than what your ego is afraid of right. or whatever. Here's another one that's a little personal. This one's personal for me is if I, when I, 
hear a woman say, uh, when a woman comes across as not empathetic or not liking family or children, that can be a turnoff for me. And it's not, it has nothing to do with, uh, you know, stereotypical gender roles. It's because I love those things so much that, and you guys have seen me do this. We'll meet people who kind of come across as sometimes a little dickish, but then we'll see them with their kids and I see that they're great parents. Immediately, what do I say afterwards? Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that person. Yeah, yeah. Look how great they are with kids. Look how much. <laughs> and that's just because I, 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 you know, I value that so much. And that's more of a personal one for me, I would mm-hmm. say. So check this out. If you go to mindpumpfree.com, you can get any one of our 10 guides for free. We have a fat loss guide, a how to do hit training guide properly. We have a leg training guide, calf training guide. I mean, there's a lot of guides there. Very, very valuable. All of them. You can get all of them for absolutely free. Again, it's mindpumpfree.com. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.